Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love. I'm Anita Sarkeesian. And I'm Kat Spada. And this is just a mini teaser episode to introduce our next series on the podcast. We're going to be doing a three-episode series called Eat the Rich. We'll be diving into Mark Mylod's The Menu, Ruben Ostlund's Triangle of Sadness, and Ryan Johnson's Glass Onion, three movies that came out at the end of last year that show extremely wealthy characters in their element, a high-end exclusive restaurant, a luxury cruise, and a private island getaway, respectively. All three also incorporate at least one outsider character, a working-class heroine, spoiler alert, who shines a light on everything that makes these people objects of our ridicule. So we just wanted the listeners to get a little taste of uh, what we're going to be talking about for this three-course meal. But I had been kind of complaining to Anita, maybe incorrectly, but about this um, this article. So I thought we would just share a little bit with the listeners. December 21, last month, Lena Wilson wrote an article for The Wrap entitled, Hey, Oscar movies, we get it. Rich people are bad. Subtitle reads, In the wake of Parasite, award season has been filling up with movies about how awful the upper class is. So obviously we'd seen these movies and I saw that headline and I was just like, yeah, we get it. Like, what is she trying to say? Which we'll get into a little bit more. Yeah. So one thing I would just like to point out to be a little more fair is that writers don't write headlines. Editors do. Right. Really good point. Really good point. And so like that headline is spicy and fucking stupid, to be honest. And then I read the article and was like, I think she makes some good points in it and that her editor was just like, how do we like clickbait this fucking thing? And so like, fuck you, editor, <laughs> like you know, for like making this person's article, you know, like, do you want to summarize the article a little bit? Yeah. And also like not to make any enemies at the rap. Alonzo Duralde is a film editor at the rap and he's yeah. been a guest of ours. Um, I do think that they do this with every one of their like I subscribe to their newsletter. There was one that was like, from underage Mormon wife to, like, Olympic swimmer. And they were about two different articles, but they just put them in the same headline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but basically... But to be fair to editors, it fucking worked. Oh, yeah. Oh, my you God. <laughs> I've been so thinking about it for we're weeks. part of the problem. <laughs> and I absolutely do that. Like, get get ready because all of the next, like, podcast episodes are going to be called, like, these <laughs> these two... <laughs> started talking about glass onion and you wouldn't believe what happens next and then like uh, a thumbnail of one of us screaming um um, okay so yeah not dragging lena wilson the writer of this piece she starts off with a criticism of these three particular movies that we're going to discuss saying that it might be fun even revolutionary if these films had more to offer than shallow drollery so basically what she is getting at is that like These are mostly movies that have protagonists or, like, really focus on wealthy characters and is trying to show them as, like, objects of ridicule. Whereas a movie like Parasite from a couple of years ago that obviously had a huge impact on Hollywood, it really centers, like, this working class family and then shows the comparison and, like, what happens when people try to climb up this type of system um, or fall down this type of system. Um... But yeah, I guess that the head why this headline grabbed me and even just these movies all coming out at the same time and why we're going to be talking about them is like, why now? Maybe is the question like are 
is Hollywood just in a moment where they're like, we can feel good about making fun of the people who are at the heart of this problem, even if our industry itself is at the heart of this problem? Yeah, you know, it's like, I think it's interesting. I like, I, oh, I have so many thoughts. I'm glad we're doing I'm so glad we're doing a series about this. But a, a couple of things is, one, we are talking about class um, and poverty and economic inequality as a society in a mainstream way that we haven't for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes sense that the media that we are, uh, that is being produced is going to reflect some of that. You know, like if you said the word capitalism like 20, 10 years ago, even mm. people would be like, oh, no, you you must be a communist. You can't right. talk about that. Right. And so like there has been a shift in in the way we're talking about class. There's been a shift in really talking about unions again for the first time mm-hmm. in, a, in a big way. There's been a shift in like lambasting billionaires and being like what the fuck is going on and you know like let's not forget that like activists have been doing this non-stop since capitalism yeah <laughs> you know? yeah like like the the whole one percent thing occupy wall street but those are things that have just like disappeared right in in really big ways and i think that there's just more of a like regular conversation around class around who owns power um who owns who holds power um, and the disparities that happen with that. The other thing that I think is really important to remember is that it is rich people who are greenlighting these movies. Yes. You know? Yes. So, God, there is, this is like, there's, it's very rich. There's a lot to mine here, not to, <laughs> not to have everything be a pun. Um, but yeah, like right now, we also have the kind of dis- disparity between people who are like billionaires shouldn't exist and people who are like if i'm a big enough fan of this billionaire a question mark like i can be like him or whatever or i can vote for him and feel like i'm part of his success and that doesn't work yeah and that's not new right like that's the thing about about um the nuance of this conversation is that that this is not new right in basically in every goddamn american presidential election there's always this movement of working class people who are aligning themselves with mm-hmm. the wealthy, uh, who want huge tax breaks, who don't want social services, who are defunding everything because they're imagining in the future they will benefit from these things. Right. Yeah. So that's been ongoing for a long time. Um, I just I think I think we are at a different moment where it is a much more mainstream conversation though yeah you know like it's not just like isolated into these little pockets and so what does it mean and i think this is what we're going to explore in these films is to have all at the same time kind of these movies coming out like really ridiculing rich people yeah and having rich people play the rich people that they're ridiculing you yeah know? like it's very meta yeah i mean Totally, totally. And we'll get into it. I was about to give a glass onion example, but let's save it. <laughs> and you you mentioned it's rich people greenlighting these movies. So I want to go back to uh, Lena Wilson from The Wrap, who said, it's only fitting that we not look too closely at the tycoons around which award season all revolves. In these films, excess is not so much monstrous as it is just plain silly. And if you're gunning for an Oscar or the Palme d'Or, that toothless take is less likely to offend your peers. So I think that's something we'll talk about, too, is like how revolutionary or cool or exciting it is that these are part of the mainstream conversation. But then ultimately, 
does it ever go far enough? Right. Um, yeah. And then uh, just some, you know, bonus material for you guys. There is an episode of That Time When where you can learn about the Red Scare in Hollywood. And Tell me more about this show, Kat. <laughs> I found that extremely en- enlightening. And then if anybody listening has the Criterion channel, I also wanted to pull out when I was thinking about like the why now question. Um, just last month, Criterion Channel uh, put together a collection of screwball comedies, like the specific genre of comedy from the 30s and 40s. And Patton Oswalt gives the like 10 minute introductory video about this whole series of 25 movies. Um, and you can see the legacy of those movies in the ones that we're going to talk about today from 2022, where he says like these movies are coming out before World War II, but during the Great Depression. And they really are showing how out of touch the rich are at a time when most of the audience members are going to be living through extreme hardship. And they don't want a movie that lectures them. And they don't necessarily want a movie that shows an es- totally escapist, like, wow, everything could be the land of Oz. Um, in these screwball comedies, Patton Oswalt says, it's like a coping mechanism, perceiving all of the inequalities and injustices and giving some absurdity that audiences can use as a weapon against it. So that's 80, 90 years ago. Then World War II happens. Then we have the scare of communism. Then we have Reagan. I just felt like Reagan's name should be said before <laughs> before we wrap up this amuse-bouche teaser episode. Yeah, I think that's very... Reagan is extremely relevant to every political conversation that we have about where we're at right now, right? Like, just... Reagan really, Reagan's administration really laid and transformed the foundation of American politics. And we are feeling the repercussions of that, right? Like, yeah, a lot of what these movies are exploring and talking about is neoliberalism without mm-hmm. actually using those words, you yeah. know? Uh, and I think that that is a, a relevant piece to this. And there's a question of like, how well is it, you know, how well is it critiquing it? How well is it commenting on it? Like, are these actually succeeding in what they're trying to do but, but, yeah. which gets into like author intent, intent which I don't really care about but like mm-hmm. what what is the result of this I think is what I've walked away from each of these movies with was what is the result mm-hmm. like what is the audience takeaway or diff- two different audiences and I yeah. think that that's to me what's very interesting about these films and what makes them really distinct from each other because there's Yeah, if you just if you aren't even looking at it from the point of view of like, did I like this movie? But saying just like, all right, here's the lesson I learned or here's the action I'm going to take. Like there is just a completely different relationship to an individual's understanding of economics in America. And so or, you know, all these movies don't take place in America and they don't center American characters necessarily. So um, and also. This is an interesting point that I've never really thought about. But like, do we learn lessons from movies or are we just reinforcing our own worldviews when we when we look at them and and uh, take them in and have them impact us? So, you know, (laughs) it's no, I mean, I think that's like something I think about in terms of marketing. Like I watched this great Netflix documentary Descendant. It's about a slave ship called the Clotilda and the descendants of of the enslaved people who were on this ship and how generations later you can still see who owns the land. You can still see who's creating situations of poverty, situations of um, health inequity. And it's like 
oh my God, like the blood is pumping through my veins watching this. Is anybody going to click on that on Netflix who isn't already inclined to watch this movie? Like that is a really big kind of marketing question about like what is getting greenlit? So why are these three getting greenlit? Is it because ultimately they don't change the world? What a good question, Kat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we're doing, right? I mean, I feel like I've changed the world today just recording with you for 15 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I've already peaked, so this is all just for funsies. (laughs) And that's good enough for me. Well, I think that this is going to be a lot of fun. And like we said, it's a little uh, three-course meal. And we have some wonderful guests coming up. Um, And stay tuned. At the end of the month, you'll learn more about the next limited series that the podcast will be bringing you in March. And while this is just a little teaser, we do have something special for our Patreon supporters. So if you support this show on Patreon, you can tune into our bonus discussion, which I think is going to come out next week about the first couple of episodes about HBO's adaptation of the colossal game, The Last of Us, uh, with a special appearance by Feminist Frequency legend Carolyn Pettit. And if you don't support our Patreon, maybe you should. Maybe now's the time to do that. Because, uh, you know, that show is, you know, kind of popping right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm, we have thoughts about it. We have thoughts about it, and I'm sure that you do too. So, uh, yeah, tune in to our Patreon next week. We'll see you there. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.